Well, so much for the uh, surfer. Um, I haven't surfed for about 15 years. The last time was in South Africa. And I haven't touched the surfboard here. And when I did try, I was exhausted after five minutes. And somebody told me it's got something to do with your age. And I said, <laughs> probably. Um, talking about golf, uh, yeah, we, we had a game of golf with the speakers um, at Kidnappers. And uh, you, you might have heard of Cape Kidnappers. It's on. Is it on? Is it coming through? Anyway, I'll, I'll keep going with the kidnappers. We don't go. And, um, you know, the, these very straight drives, well, it's funny how they seem to let you down on certain, at certain times. I only lost eight golf balls that morning as we played. But we had a wonderful time. The speakers who came from America aren't used to the kind of rough we had. And I think between us all, we lost about 25 or 30 golf balls between the four of us. It was a wonderful day. Um, uh, yeah, and we're just so grateful to have been invited to come and share with you and speak to you and fellowship with you. Alvira and I, we love coming up here. And you know, we know what's so great is coming here on Friday night, just coming in uh, for the last session of the Equip, the Equip conference, walking in and, and seeing folk. Oh, no, we know you, yeah, we, had, we had just had a lovely discussion. And it's like, almost like you come in, you see people that you know, that you've, you've spoken to the previous year, and it's like you take off from where you left off. Um, it's wonderful to be in God's kingdom. It's absolutely wonderful. And I'm just so grateful to Brian and Laura for the, the hospitality and uh, just the great fellowship we enjoy together. So, folks, please, please don't forget to pray for your leadership. Your leaders in the church, please pray for them. We're, as we heard at Impact, we're in a real spiritual battle. And boy, the enemy is not going to leave us alone. It's going to get worse and worse. Pray for your leaders, especially your pastor and his wife. They've got to endure a lot of things. And um, thank God for them. And, you know, we were here when the, the place started. And uh, to see what God's been doing, it's been fantastic. To see the growth in the people and, uh, you know, just keep going. Be faithful where God has placed you. All right, this morning we want to have a brief look at worship that pleases God. And with some kind of emphasis on worship in music. But I want to encompass worship as a whole. And we're going to go straight to this book, as you've heard, from this reliable pulpit where the word is preached. What a responsibility that anyone coming here to share with you has but to preach the Word of God. And this is no ordinary book. It's the Word of God to the human race. And we want to go this morning to Malachi, the minor prophet. And we just want to have a look at the first chapter. So I'm afraid there's going to be a little more scripture reading. Um, and we should say, yes, good, let's read some more. And Malachi begins with this. The burden of the Word of the Lord. That can be seen in a different way, or it can be read in a different way. The oracle of God to God's people. And it suggests that this is a meaty, weighty message. It suggests that this is a heavy message. But what Malachi here is speaking to Israel about is, it is, very important. And there's so much we can learn from this. 
And we want to have a look at the principles and what God is saying here to his people. As I said, in this case, it's Israel. And we need to apply these principles to our Christian walk. So let's just commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come under the hearing of your word. And Lord, I pray this morning that the word of God would encourage and would challenge our hearts. And I pray, Lord, for the church here and the church in other places, that we would be a people who would please you in our worship. Thank you, Lord, that your word this morning would not return void, but accomplish all that you send it out to accomplish. In Jesus' precious name. How much do we value God? And we need to ask ourselves this question today because it goes right to the very heart of worship. Is God priceless to us? Or is He just so big? And it's very important because it influences the way we worship in the corporate gathering. It influences the way we behave in the church and out there in the world. And it certainly affects the way people read us as Christians. And in other words, it greatly enhances our witness or hinders it. We heard on, I heard on Friday, on Friday night, Donald was talking to us about missions out there. And how important it is that we are out there sharing God's truth. But what speaks sometimes more than that is the way we're behaving. And that's got everything to do with our worship of the Almighty God. Some time ago, I listened to a message by John Piper on this very subject. And the principles he brought out from this particular chapter stirred my heart. And so we want to have a look at those from the text to help us better understand worship that displeases God and worship that pleases God. And as I've said, we can learn a great deal from this dialogue between God and Israel. Through the prophet Malachi. So let's turn to Malachi chapter 1. Just remember the scene here. Israel, God's chosen, God's elected, God's beloved people who had been shown how to please God with offerings of worship were bringing defiled offerings to the priests who offered them to God. And this greatly displeased the Lord. Let me read. Let's just read through this chapter. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And in verse 2, God makes a profound statement of truth. He says, I have loved you, says the Lord. And the very force of the Hebrew verb there means I have loved you and I still do. And then Israel raised this objection. In what way have you loved us? What they're saying is, God, you say you love us, but what have you ever done to prove it? And this rhetorical question reflected the sentiment of all the people. And then God goes into a substantiation of that truth he's just spoken. This is what he says. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. And even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, 
but I will, I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the Lord against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Israel, you shall see, your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. You are my chosen people, God is saying. And I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. That's how much I love you. You're going to see my judgment upon Edom. He goes on in verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name. Now those priests couldn't believe their ears. You can just imagine. Who, us? What have we ever done? We're innocent. We're as innocent as newborn babes. But God goes on. You offer defiled food on my altar, but you say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Will he be pleased with you? Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled. Its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weirdness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and makes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts. And my name is to be feared among the nations. When you look at that first part of verse 8, God says to the nation of Israel, you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? When you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? And in the, second, in the second part of verse 13, he says, You bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick, thus you bring an offering. Should I accept that from your hand? Verse 14, he says, The sacrifices to the Lord that you make are blemished. It's obvious. God is displeased with such, with, with, with such um, kind, these kind of sacrifices. And it displeased God to such an extent that in verse 14, he says, Cursed be the deceiver. And we want to concentrate this morning on verses 6 through 14. But just to give you some context, in verses 1 to 5, God focuses on his electing love and his greatness. And in verse 6, God focuses on the majesty of his fatherhood. 
and its greatness. And in looking at the subject of pleasing worship, we want to learn from what Malachi is dealing with here and his chosen people. So, first point we want to make this morning is displeasing worship. And I want to look at the source of displeasing worship. Malachi points out that displeasing worship is the failure to feel and see the greatness of God by failing to comprehend the greatness of God's love for us and the greatness of His majestic fatherhood over us. If you look at verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. And look at the audacity of God's people here. In what way have you loved us? Now God could have answered and said, I have cared for you. I have forgiven you. I have been patient with you. I have done this for you. I have supplied for you. I have 